0: Welcome to the study of God's Word, recorded live from Calvary Chapel in Aurora, Colorado. To learn more about the many resources available through Abounding Grace Media, visit us online at calvaryaurora.org or download our free app on all platforms. And now let's open our Bibles and study God's Word. Turn your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 1. And as you're turning there, You know, we read this um, psalm, beautiful psalm. And again, 46.10, it said, Be still and know, and know that I am God. And do you think it's important that we should know who God is? I do. And I think it's important for us to remind ourselves of who Jesus is daily. What I have to bring to you in a sermon this morning is really nothing new you're well taught here. You know these things, but I I don't think it's a problem to be reminded of them. Peter didn't think there was a problem. He says, I'm going to tell you things you already know. And that's exactly what I'm here to tell you. But I think it's good for us to be reminded who God is, who Jesus is, hence the title of this message. Jesus wants us to know who he is. Jesus wants us to continue to build our relationship with him. He wants us to know him and 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 the power of his resurrection and his life and not to stop focusing upon him. You see, friends, the recipients of Hebrews, and I would encourage you to go to your app. You have a wonderful app, all of Pastor Ed's teachings. He will go more in depth into what I'm speaking of. But the recipients here of this letter, well, they were drifting back. They were drifting back, back to Judaism. And what does that mean? They were drifting back to the law rather than staying in the love and the grace of God. They were going back to the law. And the writer saw this. And he wanted to write them a letter and say, hey, what are you doing? You know, basically, he was trying to tell Hebrews to stop being Hebrews. You're free. You've been completed. Christ has come. No more chains of the law and the, and the deeds of the law. You've been freed from all that. What are you doing? Where are you going? Man, you've been loved. You've been redeemed. You've been set free from law to grace. They were looking back instead of remaining focused on Jesus. That's always a problem. Just ask Lot's wife if you ever see her. She looked back. She became a salt lick or something like that. I, that's what I read. It's not good to look back, is it? Now, sometimes we give our testimony and we talk about our previous life, but remember, a testimony is, is uh, well, it's, it's 90% Jesus and 10% of us. If not, it becomes a blabamoney. You ever hear that? We're blabbing about ourselves. We start enjoying our past. No, 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 that's not good. And so the writer is trying to get them to refocus on Jesus. The cause of this dangerous retreat that these people are beginning to take um, is perhaps the pressure of their disfellowship among those who have yet to receive Christ as their Savior. Uh, you know, the, the Jewish families, maybe uh, the threats from religious um, leaders uh, over the Christian faith, the things that they've gone through, the persecution. I mean, it's, it could be a, a, a variety of things. But man, for you and I today, guys, we've got to stay the course, amen? We've got to stay the course. We've got to be anchored in our faith. There can't be any drifting. And, and drifting happens just like this. This morning, perhaps there may be some here that are experiencing that same pressure. Maybe from family, you accepted Jesus Christ and the family members are just pressuring you. You know, come back to the religion, come back to the denomination, come back to this and that. But you've been set free of that and you're freely able to worship God and coming to a church like this and be able to be taught the word of God. We are blessed, man perhaps with all the chaos going on in the world that we're experiencing today, you've experienced Aurora, Boulder has experienced, uh, Colorado has experienced many of these terrible things, but perhaps you're thinking about throwing in the towel. I would encourage you not to, because I tried that many times. You know what God has done? He's thrown the towel back at me. So wipe off your head, son, and keep going. It's going to be all right. We sing these songs. Do we believe in what they say? Do we really believe that he will be with us in the fire, in the waters? We're not exempt from that. Amen? We're not exempt from the fire. We're not exempt from the, but he is with us. We've got to stay focused and know that. We've got to be reminded of who Jesus is. And that's, that's what I want to share with you today. Just to remind you, just so we can stay focused, focus on the Author and the finisher of our what, of our faith, Amen. Let's let's pray, Father. We thank you, God, for giving us this time in Your Word. We, we thank you, Lord, that You want us to know who You are. You, you You want us to be in Your Word. You want us to see You in every page, and so that's what we ask today, Lord. Speak to us individually, Lord, and of course, congregationally, because we become a stronger church when we're on the same page, serving the same Lord. Lord, loving one another as you ask us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's read verses 1 through 4, and then we'll come back and expound. It says, God, who at various times and in various ways, spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, but has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds, who being in the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become so much better than the angels, as he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. You know, I was reminded of a scene in Matthew 16, where Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, and he asked his disciples, saying, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? And so, you know, they say, well, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, some others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And here it is. Then he got down to it, didn't he? He got down to it, and he said, but who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? It's an interesting question. It's, a, it's an important question. Who do you say that I am? And that question is still to be asked today and this morning. And if you can take that, but who do you say I am, and allow it to marinate as we go through these verses, I pray that we will know and be reminded of who Jesus is. We know that Peter, he replied, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. We know that whole story there. And then Peter went on in life to learn what he meant when he spoke those words that came from the Father. In heaven he had to learn that yeah he could say these things under the inspiration but now then he had to learn them and that's what we have to come to understand and, and and be founded upon that so that i want to just walk through these verses that we read to remind us who jesus is and that there is no one greater there is no one better than our lord and savior jesus christ amen so first of all, who Jesus is. Number one, we see as we read that he, man, he's God's voice. He's God's voice. In the Old Testament, in times past, God spoke through the prophets. We, we have many of those writings here. But he says in these last days, when he speaks of the last days, guys, it's been explained, is the fact is that there are the days we're living in today. When did the last days begin? They began at the first advent of Jesus Christ, when he first came to earth. And the last days will last until what we call the end times. And the end times will take place when Jesus comes back for his church, known as the rapture. And then the end times, the clock starts to tick, the seven-year tribulation period. All those things that we study will begin. Those are called the end times. But in these last days, God has spoken to us by his son. He is one greater than the prophet. We are introduced to Jesus, uh, as you're familiar in John's gospel, with this great opening statement in John 1.1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And here it is, and the Word what? Was God. Jesus is God. But He was also the Word, the Logos. You know that in the Greek. The Logos, the essential Word of God. He came to speak for God, the words of God. The second person of the Trinity came to speak for his father. The Greek tense spoken to us in that verse there in Hebrews implies once and for all. Once and for all, by his son, Jesus is God's final and complete message to mankind. You see, the prophets brought a message from God, but Jesus is the message of God. And now we have the New Testament that is writings of those who witness uh, and their testimonies and want to write about this, our Lord and Savior. But he has come to be the voice of God. And you know what? Because he is the voice of God, we are commanded to listen to him. Let me ask you, who has your ear gate? What are you listening to? Who, who really has your ear gate? We've got to be careful what we listen to, who we're listening to. We must always be attentive to God's word, to God's voice. Do you know his voice? Would you know it if he would cry out? Would you know it if he would speak to you? I pray you do. Once again, you're a well-taught church. You should know the word of God. You will know when a counterfeit comes through. You will know when there is this logic and thought that maybe has your ears today. And you know it's not true. Oh it, a little bit of truth. But a lot of poison. Amen. A lot of poison. I pray that there is no other voice. In the voice of Jesus. That you are attentive to. You know I think of Mount of Transfiguration. Think back to that. In Matthew 17. Where Jesus takes three of his disciples. Because he needed to watch over. These three knuckleheads. You know, they weren't, they think they're all special. No, I got to watch these three guys because, you know. And so there it is on the Mount of Transfiguration. And we remember that, that Jesus is, he became glorified in his body. You know, and, and, and interesting, then, then we see who? Moses and Elijah. Now, Moses, as you know, represents the law. And Elijah represented the prophets. But both truly represent, we could say, the Old Testament. Then you have Jesus there the son of God, the one who was to come fulfilling the law and the prophets. There the Messiah is present, but we also have John, James, and Peter. That speaks of the church. That speaks of what's to come, the New Testament, a testament, a new testament under grace and love. Do you see it? There at the Mount of Transfiguration. It's amazing when you read it. But while they're there, Peter, of course, who has foot and mouth disease, uh, uh, can, I, can I get a witness? Why? But he wants to have a he wants to start a whole denomination. He he, he wants to set up tabernacles and just stay here and be, you know, just, just in bliss. But as he's sharing these things in verse five of Matthew 17. It says, while he, Peter, was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And suddenly a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Here it is. Hear him. Hear him. We are commanded to hear him and no one else. We don't hear anyone else. Your word comes from? We need to hear him. So you're going through something, you've got to make a decision. You know, we live in this world. You know, we buy, we sell, we work, we, we, you know, come and we go. But always take it to the Lord. Give time for the Lord to hear from the Lord in these things. That he may open a door or close the door. We need to hear him. There's the old adage that states, God has given us two what? And one one mouth. You think God is saying something to us as he created us? God is telling us to hear more and speak less. You are God in heaven. Here I am on earth. Let my words be few. Let my words be few, Lord. That's what we have. To have ears to hear what the Spirit is speaking to us. Wiersbe says it takes more than physical ears to hear the voice of God. It also requires a receptive heart. So we could be hearing. We could be here today. you're, You're listening. You're reading through the word of God. But are you receptive to it? Maybe somebody invited you today. Maybe you've been coming for years. But you've never been receptive to God's word. you got your own plans. Your own things to do. you you got your own agenda. God says, no, son, daughter come and listen to me what I have to say. Jesus is always going to give us, the word of God is always going to give us a balance in the truth of things. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to seek out the Lord in all your decision making. And so we need to be reading his word to know what Jesus is speaking to us. We need to hear what he has to say. You say, well, pastor, you know, I pray and I ask God to speak and I don't hear anything. I mean, it's just silent. Well, let me tell you what some pastor told me. Get in your car or get in a quiet place, open the Bible and start reading it out loud and you'll hear God. You'll hear very clearly because this is his word. Pray to the Lord loudly, you know. Pray and hear what God has to say. He will speak to you. But we need to hear, heed. We need to heed what we have heard from our Lord. Moving on. Secondly, Jesus is the heir of all things. Again, who Jesus is? This is the one you're serving. He's the heir of all things. Notice there in verse two, b, whom he, speaking of the Father God, has appointed heir of all things. Now, what is an heir? An heir? An heir a hair? No, an heir is a person. This is no hair, okay? <laughs> but a heir. <laughs> My, my, my English is messed up. My Spanish is messed up. I don't know where I belong in this world, but to Jesus. He loves me. Amen? So back to the sermon. An heir is a person legally entitled to the property or the rank of another on that person's death. And usually given to the eldest son, surpassing all others. Now I told my kids, don't worry about it because I'm spending all the inheritance right now. You, know, you put gas, you know, put cash in your car. I just buy in- your inheritance. This is your inheritance. Yeah. Jesus is the heir of God. That's who we serve. He's the preeminent Son, being the firstborn over all creation, firstborn preeminent. He holds the title of God's property. If I can say it that way respectfully. Yeah, an heir usually will hold the title property of that which has been given to him through an inheritance. Well, the Son of God came to recover the title deed and what Adam lost in the garden. And what was that that he lost? He lost dominion. He lost rulership given to him by God. He lost it how? He lost it by obeying, by listening, and obeying Satan rather than heeding the words that were spoken to him by God. By taking the word of God and not listening to it, but listening to Satan, we know he fell, right? Adam went from sovereign to slave, and that to the world. Jesus, well, he's become the heir of all things. For Jesus, of course, endured the same temptations that was presented to Adam. Think about it. The same temptation. See, the enemy has no new, no new tools. No, there's nothing new in the way he tries to tempt us. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of what? And the pride of life. Pride. Those three things he will always use. They may be packaged a little bit different. They may be presented a little bit different. But it's the same things. And, and we see that when Jesus was in the wilderness being, being tempted. For Adam it was, and you will be like God, but for Jesus it was, since you are God, you remember that? And Satan was able to offer him, offer him the nations, the rulership, because it was his taken from Adam. But Jesus battled back, didn't he? He battled back using scriptures, then he threw the winning blow at the cross obtaining the title deed to all things, for he is the heir of God. Then, again, if that wasn't enough, f- friends, listen. He makes believers joint heirs with himself. Imagine that. We are going to be joint heirs. Ephesians 1.11 tells us that in Jesus we have obtained an inheritance. And in Romans 8.17, well, it says that as children of God, we become heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. Now, we're not equal heirs. There is only one heir. But he, he makes us co-heirs. We have an inheritance in Christ. And 2 Timothy 2.12 says that we will rule and reign with him on earth. That day is coming. It's coming. When we're going to be back on this earth. And and Christ is going to set up his his rule, his reign. And we're going to reign with him. And a role. It's amazing when you think about that's who Jesus is. That's who we serve. We have a future and a hope in Christ. And you think about all things that exist, we'll find its true meaning in an application for us in our lives. Again, but we got to begin to give control to Jesus. We got to give him our life first and foremost. Have you done that? Have you accepted Christ as your Savior? And then it begins with our relationships, our marriages, everything, our careers. All that we possess, we need to give over to Christ to begin to practice that He has all things, and in Him all things exist. Well, moving on, not only is Jesus God's voice and the heir of all things, He is the Creator. <laughs> That's who we get to serve, the Creator. He's on our side, the Creator, through whom also, notice 2C. Verse 2c, through whom also he made the world. Think about that, man. You know, back to Genesis, chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The word God used there is Elohim. It is the plural from, of the singular Hebrew word El, where we get El Shaddai or El Elion, most high God. Lord God Almighty, El Shaddai, Elohim gives to us a hint of the plurality of the Godhead. We believe one God who exists in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We call that the Trinity. We also see the use of the plural pronouns uh, used in the creation event, where Elohim says, let us make man in our image and after our likeness. In the biblical fact, makes Jesus the creator along with the father and the Holy Spirit. Colossians 1:16 says for by him all things were created that are in heaven that are on earth visible and invisible whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers all things created through him and for him. That's who you serve. That's who Jesus is from the father to the son by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now Jesus not only was involved not only here called creator of the material world, speaking it into existence, he came into that which he created. That's how much he loved us, man. He came into time and space. He came into the very ages because God loved the world. He loved us. He sent his only son. You know Philippians. Let me read it. Chapter 2, verse 6. Who? being in the form of God, speaking of Jesus, the very nature of God, did not consider it robbery, didn't feel like he was being ripped off to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of man. Why? He came in the likeness of man in order to die for man. The right offering would be A body, Hebrew says. God required a body. Jesus was the shadow in the offerings of the Old Testament. And now he's come to be the body. The one who cast that shadow. He was God's offering. He became man to die for man. If that's not enough, we find out that the one we serve, friends, to be reminded of, is the brightness of God's glory. Look at 3a verse 3a, who being in the brightness of his glory. Jesus perfectly reflects the glory, the majesty, the absolute perfection of God, which leads us to Jesus being the exact image of God, and the express image of 3b says, and the express image of his person. He is the express image or the exact imprint. It was a term used in the Greek of how the image was stamped on coins. But Jesus is the perfect imprint of God. The exact representation of God. Again, we go back to Colossians 1.15 this time. It says he is the image of the invisible God. The firstborn over all creation. Colossians 2.9. For in him all the fullness of the deity dwells in bodily form. I put it this way. Jesus is God in focus. Jesus is God in focus. That's who we serve. He's come to make God known. John 1.18 in the NIV says this, No one has ever seen God, but the, only, but the one and only Son, who is himself God, I love that, and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. If we want to know God, we must only look to Jesus. We see him by faith. We accept him by faith. And Jesus said, because of that, we are more blessed. Thomas, those who do not see me and yet believe are more blessed than you who have seen and touched and known. Isn't that a blessing? That's who we serve, guys. We are more blessed because we received Him and believed in Him as Savior. Moving right along, who is Jesus or who Jesus is? Well, He is the sustainer of all things. Look at 3C, and upholding all things by the word of His power. You know, by the word of His power, I always think about, again, the word of God. Uh, 41 years ago, in 1981, I was in my bachelor pad, thinking I was all that, Right? I was a bachelor, I was young, I was lost. Oh, six months prior to that, in around April, my mother gave me a Bible, and it was a little black Bible. She was smart, because being a bachelor, we all had these little black books. We don't have them, but we think we do. And it was a Bible, it was a New Testament, King James, and she wrote in there, and she liked to give gifts during Easter, as we would give gifts during Christmas. She gave me this Bible and said, thank you. I came back to my bathroom pad and I threw up on the shelf. Well, like I said, six months later, I was going through some trials and tribulations, relational upsets. I was really lost and I was starting to feel lost. I was starting to feel alone. I was, I was down. I was no longer happy. So I saw that Bible and I picked it up. This is the power of, of, of getting somebody a Bible. Let me just say this. If you have been praying for somebody, and you want them to be in the Word. You want them to at least have a Bible. Get a Bible and emboss their name on it. They can't throw it away. Their name's on it. Like mine. My name's on it right there. So I started to read the begots begot. I began in the beginning because that's what I always learned, always learned in school. When you start a book, begin in the beginning, right? This one begot that one. That one begot that one. A begot begot. It's King James too. I'm going. But praise God. I got to verse 21. Where it says, you shall call his name Jesus. For he shall save his people from their sins. Like, like Paul, man, scales fell. I can't explain it. You guys know. I, I, it just scales fell and said, yes, that's, I need Jesus. I grew up in a, one of the grip, largest denominations where most Hispanics grow up in. And, and I'm, I'm glad that our parents raised us to, to know Jesus, but we didn't really knew him in a relational way. And at that moment, I accepted Jesus. Nobody was there. I didn't know how, what I was doing, but I knew that's what I needed. The power. It says here, by the word of his power. And I look, think of that of the Bible, but we know he spoke all things into existence and also sustains his creation by his powerful word. Sustains the universe and everything in it. Upholding all things is used in the present tense here, guys. And what does that imply? It implies a continuous action. Actively sustaining even today. Remember, Colossians, he is before all things. And in him, all things hold together. I would encourage you later on today to look up Isaiah of chapter 40, verse 12. And you will be blown away at how it explains how God holds all things together. But the question has to be asked, so let's ask it. If he holds all things together, and if it's still a present tense, it's a continuous action, sustaining sustained even today, then why do bad things happen to innocent and good people? And the question is, really, to be honest, we don't know, but what do we do know? We do know that we are living in a fallen world. And in a fallen world, there are fallen people, just like we were, who have lost the meaning of their existence on earth. We've seen some terrible things. We, we, we've heard some terrible things, even this, this last few weeks. And we ask, why God? But then we've got to remember we're living in a fallen world and the fallen people have lost the meaning. I really believe that most of these shooters and most of these people who commit these crimes, they had a conscience, a conscience to do right or wrong, and they chose wrong. I was sharing with the second service that while we were in California, I was able to teach there in Montebello, but also a few days later, I went with Jose Hernandez, many of you are familiar with, where he ministers his churches in Watts, California. Compton Watts. And he drove me through his uh, the area where he ministers to and you know it's, there's uh, crime, there's gang politics, there's, there's poverty. Uh, he says, look at man, look, look at the difference here and, and where we were. It's just very sad. You see kids walking to, to school and you know, uh, walking past uh, drug addicts and walking past a refuge, just thrown on the floor and other, other stuff in the street, She's very sad. Well, he's telling me this, and we're driving, and all of a sudden he goes, look, 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 and, and there's a, a mother and her like what, junior high son, and he's throwing a bag of McDonald's out. But the thing is, is that he went like this, and then he threw it out. And I said, but, but Jose, look at that guy, that young man has a conscience. He did the wrong thing because his authority was was driving the car and okaying it. But he has a conscience. God has given every man on earth a conscience to do right or wrong. These fallen people have chosen to do wrong. Remember Moses? Moses, you know, he was beating an Egyptian, right? And uh, where did he look? He looked to the left and he looked to the right. But he failed to look where? Up. He failed to look up. And I told Jose, that's what God has called you to to reach the young, to reach. And we are all called to reach the youth, the young, now, now. So they will not just look left or right. They would look up. Amen? They would look up and make a right decision. Make a right decision. So anyway, we living in a fallen world. Although God has now and always has held all things together in all his creation, as we said, at this point, and we, again, we, another question we can ask God. We don't question God, but we may have questions for God. The earth has been given ruling authority to Satan, and he is in opposition to God and his people. So a lot of things we don't know. God will reveal what he wants us to know. And just by faith, we've got to continue to walk. But he is the sustainer of all things. He is our Hope he holds us together when we're falling apart. We could be falling apart, man, through pain, through hurt, loss, divorce, betrayal, physical and mental issues. Listen, Christian, we're not exempt from those things. They hurt us, they pain us. You know, they come, it flows, it ebbs and flows. But we've got to remember that he will hold us together. He will walk us through, as we said. Walk us through that. He will sustain us because we are his beloved children. So cast all your anxieties upon him because he cares for you. And he's the one who you're serving and being reminded of this morning. He's also, and I love this, he is the redeemer of mankind. Look at 3 D when he had by himself purged our sins. and Once again, go back to the Old Testament, if you would. Think in your mind, the high priest. Every year had to enter the most holy place, right? In the temple to offer sacrifices for sin of the people. Every year. It was God's temporary solution. It was mercy. He had mercy on men as long as they followed the law. Long as they followed what he laid out. For man to do. Temporary solution that pointed though toward a better sacrifice. Tony Evans says the sacrificial system of the Old Testament was God's layaway plan. I love that. And it was waiting to be paid off. I don't know if any of you engage in layaway. We surely did. We lived off military pay, you know, back in the day. So thank God for layaway, man. Walmart, Target, back when Kmart. Remember, anybody remember Kmart? Anyway. But Jesus came to pay the final payment. He came to pay that final payment, guys. He came to be the better sacrifice. By Himself, He purged our sins once and for all. He said on the cross, it is finished, payment paid, payment paid in full. Purging our sins, setting us free from sin and guilt. And if that wasn't enough, <laughs> after three days, The receipt of that payment was realized through the resurrection from the dead. Man, that's who you serve, guys. That's who Jesus is. Remind yourself of that. Remind yourself. He thinks we are worth dying for. You know, the human body, uh, somebody said, is worth about uh, $20 because we're made from the ground, raw materials, the elements of the ground. We're worth about $20 and we'll still get change back. But he he thinks we're worth dying for and living for and being used by him and being gifted by the Holy Spirit and and seeking our gift and seeking where he wants us and what he wants us to do. We're worth dying for. Not only that, he's our royal mediator. Look at 3E. He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Again, go back to the temple. Go back to that high priest. Go back to the temple furnishings. I don't read anywhere in the Old Testament where they were supposed to build a gold chair of some sort. There was no chair. It wasn't part of the furniture of the temple. Why? Because the work of the priest was never completed. He was never able to sit down. He was never able to rest. But when Jesus came, amen, when Jesus came, that curtain tore. The temple became null and void. No longer was there to be a priesthood. Uh, uh, no longer was there to be the, the sacrifices of bulls and goats. Jesus was, as we said, the sacrifice. His, 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 he gave his life so that we wouldn't have to. He ascended back to the Father after 40 days of showing himself only to believers. And then Romans eight thirty four says, "Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died, and furthermore is also risen. Who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes what intercession for us? And his ministry to us hasn't ended. He's still making intercessions for those who call upon his holy name as Savior. He's praying for us. You got to know that. That's who you serve." when things are going wonky, when you're, you're about to lose it. God is there praying for us. God is there caring for us. He's, he's, he sat down, guys, at the seat of authority and power. He's waiting. He's waiting for the world and the enemies to be his footstool. I know many of us are saying, Lord, come now, God. Come now. And that's okay to pray that. Because one day he's going to do that. At an hour that no, one, no man knows, one day he's coming for us. It may be by us taking our last breath on earth and our first breath in heaven, or maybe by rapture. That's what I'm waiting for. Let's go, Lord. You know, practice a little bit. Just jump up. Start practicing. Come, Lord. Come. Come. Well, he is also greater than the angels as we wrap this up. Look at verse 4 having become so much better than the angels as he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. Again, as you study Hebrews and get courage to go back and study with your pastor through this, you'll find out that these guys, you know, they they were focusing off of God and on angels. They just had this thing for angels. And remember when, you know, we had this angel thing, I think it was in the 90s, late 90s, early 2000s. Everybody was so interested in angels that it really took their focus off of Jesus and off of God and on these angels. Now angels were created beings and they have a purpose and you continue to read, you will find that out. But Jesus was greater than them, greater than anything created. He was Jesus and he has the more excellent name. Again, Philippians chapter two tells us Therefore God also highly exalted him, speaking of Jesus, and given him the name, which is above every name. Guys, again, every in the Greek is every. Every name. Every name. That at the the name of Jesus, almost lost my place. At the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is what? Is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now, let me ask you this question Have you bowed your knee to Jesus? You know, spiritually speaking, or maybe physically, have you bowed your name to Jesus as you confessed Him as, as Savior and Lord? Have you done that? The Bible says it's going to happen. But if you wait till after you die, it's too late. Every every person in hell today is a believer. Did you know that? Every person in Hades right now who didn't confess, who didn't bow their knee, who didn't accept Christ, had their own agenda, who kept saying, well, I'll, I'll next week, or next time. And then they pass away without Christ. Everyone is a believer, but it's too late. We must accept Christ today. This is the day. This is the day of salvation. You say tomorrow? Well, tomorrow was yesterday's excuse. Make your commitment today, if that's anyone here today. Accept Christ as your Savior. I'll pray with you in a minute. But I want to talk to believers. You know, there's a a scene in John chapter 6 where Jesus stated to those who didn't turn back on him, those who didn't leave, those who didn't walk away from him, and he says, do you want to leave too? Do you want to leave too? Of course, Simon again says, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. We have come to believe and know that. And let me talk to some of you who are believers, but if you be honest, you say, man, I'm a, I'm a prodigal. Like, man, I come to church. And I put the church face on. But pastor, I'm a prodigal. Man, if people knew the type of life that I'm living secretly right now, man, they would be brokenhearted. Perhaps someone had brought you here. You've walked with the Lord. You've accepted him at one time. But right now, there would be no evidence to arrest you as a Christian. I want to tell you, you can come home today I want to tell you that Jesus misses those times that you had with him, those intimate times of prayer, those intimate times of reading his word and him speaking to you and giving you a nugget for the day that you can go back to work or back out there and know that he loves you but something happened. Prodigal, come home today. He's waiting for you at the gates. He's waiting for you, man. He misses you. He wants to put his arms around you but you have distance yourself. Don't drift, come back. You can do that. Amen. Today. But if you're here today, you've never received Christ as your savior. This is the day. This is the time. That's the first step. That's the first step. Cuz guys, let me tell you, without Jesus Christ, I don't know how you're living today. With everything just going everything just exploding, man. How are you living? You need to tend to your soul. You need to be completed in a sense. He's come to love you. Respond to his love. What else could he do? How much more love could he show than dying on the cross and then raising again, overcoming death and decay and the fear of dying? That's what he's done for you. Receive him today. And you can do that right now in your chair. Honestly, from the heart, you can just pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, and anybody listening, Just cry out in your heart. Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. Lord Jesus, I'm lost. And I want to be found. I believe you died on that cross for my sin. And Lord, I don't understand it all. But I know that cross. And I know your death. It was for a reason. It was for me. And this day, today, I accept you as Lord and Savior. Come into my life, God. Change me. Help me, God, in this life that I live, that I may be changed by you. And I ask it in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. We pray that you've been encouraged by this Bible study delivered live from the sanctuary of Calvary Aurora. For prayer or a copy of this study, call us at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-304-7223